Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a crowd podcast. I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Guys, everyone knows that people who use chippers are sexy. It all goes back to to toilets. Oh my God! I had no idea. What? We need grilled chicken. It's grilled fucking chicken. I was going to ask how your pursuit of Wahlberg was coming on, actually. It's feeling quite stressful now. Yeah, (laughs) it's... It's quite a lot to organise. I'm Andrew Beef Johnston. And I'm John Robbins. Welcome to Beef's Golf Club. (laughs) Yes, mate. What's happening, man? Yeah, good, thanks, man. How are you doing? I'm good, John. I'm good. I'm very excited as well. I've had a proud moment because I've been here in Singapore so long now and I've been eating at like the local uh, hawker centres, which are like food courts. And it got to a point where I couldn't ask for a fork anymore. So I've learned how to use some chopsticks, John. Oh, I'm so proud of you, dear. I know that that's something you've wanted to master for years now. The amount of embarrassing times I've had to ask for a fork or a spoon and you've got to like wave someone over and go like, excuse me, could I have a a fork, please? Like that. And they're like, yeah, okay. And the the look of disappointment you get back and I was like, I can't take this anymore. So I persevered for for about a week and then finally it just it just clicked. I started picking everything up with chopsticks now. I just go around with a pair of chopsticks picking everything up. It was a proud moment and then my little one started picking up the chopsticks and kind of managed to pick her noodles up and I was just so pleased I got in there before my three-year-old. <laughs> because if anything, you know, a knife and fork in the is the sort of the chipper of the Asian dining experience. <laughs> You've learned how to use the wedge yeah, I, I now know how it feels to walk into Nevada Bob's or American Golf or whatever it is and go in and ask, excuse me, where are your chippers? I now understand the the embarrassment of that. Well, speaking of embarrassment, Beef, uh, the golfing confessions are pouring in from our members, uh, wishing to be forgiven and absolved of their golfing sins. So are you ready, Father Beef? Have you got your cassock on? Oh, yes, I am ready. Okay, so Beef's in the confession box. Uh, what have we got? This is from Simon Hemelrick. Simon says, forgive me, Father B, for I have sinned. 
I have been known to hide spare balls up my sleeve in the likely event that I can't find my ball in the rough. I drop one when no one is looking and pretend I have found my ball. That is the most extreme form of golfing sin I think you can have. But Father Beef, I'll leave it to you. What do you say? Simon, that is awful. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say, Simon. That is awful. You cannot be forgiven for that at all. Dropping extra balls and not telling anyone is... Like John said, one of the biggest sins and you cannot be forgiven. I mean, I like to think that Beef is a merciful god slash priest in this scenario. But I don't know if you've ever heard of the unforgivable sins. They exist both in Christian culture and also in Harry Potter, the unforgivable curses. But I think I've got to say, Simon, that is unforgivable. (laughs) Um, Because also, you're only cheating yourself. That's the stupid thing. Does he need to do any kind of repentance, actually, Beef? Uh, I think I'll go down similar to, like, the Lashes route for being bad, and you must rake a thousand bunkers. That's quite a few bunkers. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) Simon, you've got to rake a thousand bunkers that you don't play out of, so next time you're on the course, you know, you're waiting for your mates to play, rake a bunker. I mean, that's just good advice for anyone. Uh, Next up is from Edward Whitehouse. Uh, Edward says, forgive me, Father Beef, for I have sinned. I recently broke a club commandment and said, that's one, when my playing partner tapped the ball off the tee setting up. It's always that, isn't it, where you're just going, don't say it, don't say it. Shit, I've said it. It's a minor sin. We've gone from sort of the biggest sin in golf to the the smallest sin. But um, I think we can forgive that, don't you, Beef? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it really is a minor sin. It's just quite frustrating. (laughs) Next one comes from Stu. Dear Father Beath, forgive me for I've sinned. I've hit the world's biggest slice and now the driving range is looking for me. What do I do? Do I own up? And Stu has sent pictures. He's first sent the tracking data from the course of the shot, which shows the ball going, I'm going to say, 170 yards right of his target. And then the golf centre have put a picture on Instagram of a range ball in the farmer's field opposite, saying, any ideas who hit this range ball? Found it this morning, 150 yards out of the range. That was some slice. (laughs) I mean, at least you've got your ball back. Yes. That's a positive. Or if, if it's a range ball, you've got that range ball, they found it. I mean, it's an incredible slice. I do forgive you because it's not your fault. It wasn't done on purpose, but we should definitely um, try and help you out. Yeah, it's not a sin to be bad at golf. That's not a sin at all. We want to encourage you to be bad at golf because then you get better. I want to know who found the ball and how. What were they doing in that field? The farmer must have found it. Uh, Keep these confessions coming. We absolutely love them. Uh, Send them to beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk. And should we get on with the episode now, Beef? Yeah, come on, let's do it, man. Right, John, today we're going to be talking about tournaments and how they get organised. So we've got a guest coming on to help us out with beef stock because I've got no fucking idea how to put on a golf day or festival or beef stock. I haven't got a clue. Well, I'm afraid I don't eat meat, so it'll have to be caramelised onion stock as far as I'm concerned. But excitement is growing amongst the members, so we've got to deliver. Everyone is buzzing about beef stock. 
We're busy with preparations here. Obviously, uh, people are on the phone to the big hitters in sponsorship, Knorr, Oxo, various own brand and uh, more traditional sort of independent stockists, stock stockists. Hang on, hang on, hang on. The one you said, Knorr, mm. is that the one I've seen like my whole life and I've never understood what it says? Their adverts was one of the big 80s adverts. Knorr. They've got the Knorr. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I had no idea it was called that. One of the things I think we have to do is cover ourselves because I think I've definitely nicked the name of Twitter somewhere and I can't remember who and I'm going to have to scroll back and find it before we uh, get in trouble. The whole advantage of creating an inclusive environment in Beefs Golf Club when everyone is equal is that we all share ownership of everything apart from our fees and any freebies we get. So we get to use people's great ideas like Beefstock, but no one gets to play with my new Cobra Aerojet irons. It's a situation that works for everyone. Hang on, you've got new irons? <laughs> you know I've got new irons. I've got new irons coming out my irons, mate. So they delivered some woods, and now they've delivered irons? The only thing they don't do, unfortunately, is chippers. Um, but I've uh, I've let the CEO know that my relationship with Cobra is on the line if they don't bring out a chipper. He said something about their wedges being industry leading, but um, I sort of zoned out at that point. You know when like um, Adam Scott for years helped Titleist design their irons and stuff like that. You could be the one to get involved with Cobra to help design the chipper. Yes, I could go in for like sketching meetings, R and D. I could say, guys, everyone knows that people who use chippers are sexy. So this club's got to be dripping with hot sex appeal. <laughs> I just want to sit in on the meetings for R&D for a chipper and what you actually have to do to design it. With its unique wedge bashing system, this chipper will change your game. Cobra, pushing the needle. That sort of thing. I'd be great in advertising. <laughs> Anyway, dear, where are we playing at Beefstock? Well, I thought we'd have to take it home to North Mid. Greatest golf club in the world. I absolutely love the place. And I think it's such a nice way to to do Beefstock, show everyone what it's about, what North Mid's about, and I think it's going to be epic. Have you called them to say there is a lot of pressure on their club sandwiches, given some of the chat we've had on here? I think I'm going to have to go in there... Gordon Ramsay style. Beef's Kitchen. Yeah, Beef's Kitchen, basically. And yeah, make him keep practicing until we get the perfect glove sandwich. I'd love to see you throwing a full-on meltdown in the North Mid Kitchen. <laughs> Do you fucking pie me off? You, who keeps pieing me off over there? Because I know how you make a club sandwich. Stop <laughs> pieing me off. We need grilled chicken. It's grilled fucking chicken. <laughs> so if that's wetting your appetite, folks, uh, do get your tickets. They're selling well. And you can head over to uh, the podcast description. There's links in there of everything you need to do. So what else needs organising? You're going to be the chef. Who's going to DJ? That's a big thing, isn't it? Because I know you're very um, cautious about music and what music's played around the golf course. So I'm a bit frightened if I book a DJ and it becomes a bit um, too rowdy or too loud. Well, do you know what? I'll tell you what I've been listening to recently. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we could just have this playing on a loop. Bear with me one sec.
feel like I'm going on a game show in like the 70s. That's the BBC Golf theme. Do you remember that? No way. Oh my God. I had no idea. What? Is it? Yeah, when they used to have golf on the BBC and you'd have Seve versus Fuzzy Zeller. Was that his name? <laughs> Fuzzy Zeller? Oh man. On the tee, John Robbins. Yes, that's the thing. I think we should have a starter. Oh, tell you who'd be great. Do you know Gordon Smart? He plays a lot of golf. Um, he was, oh, well, he's, he's got his fingers in so many pies. Lovely bloke. Used to be on Radio X with me and Alice. He's now on uh, Five Live covering Drive. And he's Scottish and sounds just like the tea announcing man. I want to bring like that vibe from like a golf day to slightly what we get at tournaments and kind of try and like blend a few little things. I think if people want to volunteer as ball spotters as well, help people get around the golf course. I cannot wait to play with a ball spotter with their little flags. I mean, that is something pros never really have to worry about. It's constant problem. Even like I've lost balls in, in on the fairway. <laughs> You know, and there's leaves around. There's a load of leaves on the course. You th hit an absolute bullet straight drive. You get there, unless I pick up every individual leaf. Yeah, that's going to be a treat. Yeah, I like I like the idea of, yeah, start off ball spotters. I mean, there was one, you know, like a knife amnesty or something like that, where you can go and give in your weapons. What I think people do is they should come in and give in their chippers and there's like no judgment for it. Oh, you are... <laughs> hey, okay, here's a deal. On the day... You and I, chipping competition, you with a wedge, me with a chipper from three distances. Whoever gets closest wins ten billion pounds. <laughs> well, why don't we make it why don't we make the golf day a team thing? Team wedge and team chipper. Oh, that's a great shout. We can take it a spin-off live and have some really terrible team names. I love it. I love it. The chippers versus the wedges. And just total Stableford points across the day. <laughs> That's nice, because then we can have a totalizer and people can add to the totalizer when they come off the 18th. With the special Harlequin ball. You want a, Harlequ a Harlequin total Stableford team event? Yeah, because I think it can change really quick if you keep that ball. If we've got ball spotters, I think that's fine. The only thing is, if you lose your Harlequin ball on the first tee, the rest of the day is an absolute write-off. And I think we need something to, for people to wear to show what team they're on, whether it might be a badge or, like, maybe a towel. I love it. Yeah, 100%. Well, we're definitely having, after everyone's in, you and me, a grandstand competition, chipper versus wedge. That is already making me feel nervous, to be honest, because yeah. <laughs> all the pressure. <laughs> already, my hands are going sweaty already. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. So you've said me, oh, beef the chef and I'm cooking and doing all of that. Beat the comic. I think you should be standing on a par three for eight hours. I don't mind standing on a par three for eight hours. I'd stand on a par three for the rest of my life, mate. Someone paid me to do it. It's <laughs> <laughs> been my dream. Yeah, I think we should do that. Instead of beat the pro, we should do beat the comic. Yeah, because I think you're much more likely to beat the comic than beat the pro. Yeah, I think it's a lot more balanced. I think it'd be a really good balance. Yeah, we need, what prizes are we going to have? So I think every, we need like a goodie bag when people get there. So they get some teas, they get a Beefs Golf Club pitch repairer, and they get three Beefs Golf Club golf balls for the day. A lot of Beefs Golf Club golf balls going to get lost. 
the Harlequin Beefs Golf Club golf ball could be yellow. I think so. We need to figure out how to use that Harlequin ball. Maybe everyone gets it in one hole. Oh, I see. So you can like play your Harlequin ball on one hole that you fancy the look of. Yeah. Oh, that's quite a good shout. So four holes get the Harlequin treatment. I think so. What about one of them things? You know, like, I remember being a kid at, like, fairground and stuff, and you would throw, like, a ball and hit, like, a target, and someone would be, like, dropped into water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like that. But, like, you have a golf one with a big, like, a big target up high. So if you hit the target, then you'll fall into the water because I'm nominating you to fall in the water. Right. Uh, just with my health and safety hat on, obviously you're going to be sat below the target that people are hitting to. So you might end up just just hitting a golf ball into someone's face. <laughs> you might just dive in the water anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is good. This is thinking big. I like this. And then I was thinking, like, back as a kid, I always remember a coconut shy. I've been, I've obviously been spent nearly three months in Asia, and I'm eating and I'm drinking a hell of a lot of coconuts. So and how can we not have coconuts? How can we not have coconuts? I mean, you're taking this in a different direction than I thought, because obviously if someone with experience of playing a lot of golf days, I love that you've thought, no, let's just create a fairground. It's coconut shies. It's the big dunk. You could have a little bit of everything. Well, that's some of Beef's ideas there. Like we say here at Beef's Golf Club, no such thing as a bad idea. Let's hear what your ideas are. And you can send them to beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Uh, first up, Lad Golf says, longest drive with a Ferrero Rocher competition. <laughs> they better be coming out of the fridge, mate. It's the summer. Surely they just immediately explode. And then how do you, how do you judge it when they disintegrate? I think there's going to be a lot of controversy about the... Uh, Ferrero Rocher long drive. That might be the technique, though, not to hit it hard enough. It shatters. Mm. Yeah, our old friend the chipper back in the game there, I think. <laughs> Simon uh, Howarth says some sort of golf beer pong. How? Do, what is beer pong? I think I might have played it years ago. Is that where you have to bounce a, a ping pong ball into a thing of beer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the opponent, you'd have to drink it if the other team get it in that cup. And then you take the cup away. Well, I think that would have to be after the round than before because, you know, we want people to uh, be able to give their best for Team Chipper or Team Wedge. That could be quite a good actual game. Yeah. What, and the buckets are full of beer and you have to down two gallons of beer. I mean, we, <laughs> we do have some kind of responsibility. Uh, Beth Phillips says, this is a great idea, an actual club sandwich competition like a bake sale, you could judge the club sandwich competition beef. Oh, my God. I've always wanted to get, like, them first, second, third, like, um, stickers, yes. like the big red, blue ones. The rosettes, yeah. Yeah, and then I could just walk along eating them, placing them on the best club sandwiches. That's genius. Oh, I love this from Charlotte Field. An actual have a look in the mirror, mate, mirror. People have to walk past it on their way into the festival to check that their dress code is appropriate. <laughs> I take it Charlotte means we're still going to let everyone in or actually we're going to turn people away if they're dressed really, really bad. Well, no, because the whole point of the have a look in the mirror, mate, is that once people have, have had a look in the mirror, if they're happy with what they see, they're in. That would be so nice. The first thing people do is walk past the mirror and it says have a look in the mirror, mate. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Definitely, yeah. Big mirror on the way. Andy Potter says, can we get Camden Brewery along? I don't know if Andy works for Camden Brewery. What are some of our favourite breweries? Because we do need a drink supplier. Oh, a golf day I did years ago, Beavertown Brewery 
sent a load of beers. Oh, yeah. That was good. But I'm sure we can get Camden or get in contact. Yeah, 100%. Well, it could be Camden, it could be Beaver Town. I'm a big fan of Gloucester Brewery. They make some fantastic beers. Lost and Grounded make some good beers. Wiper and True in Bristol make some fantastic beers. Apart from the beer as well, I think we need some uh, some nice cocktails. Yeah, well, we also need something non-alcoholic. So uh, I reckon we should get Gunners involved because they sent us some uh, samples which were fantastic. Over ice, all big old pints of Gunners. That'd be nice. A lot of ice. You're going to need it. Love that. There's nothing better. There's nothing better than an ice cold drink. Obviously, we need uh, Jimmy Anderson's Guinness tap there. So I know that North Mid do Guinness, so we need to make that tap look pretty special, adorn it with uh, Jimmy Anderson uh, accoutrements. Do you reckon they'll be up for that? How long do you reckon we can get him to pull pints for? I can't imagine he's a busy man, being an England cricketer. I can't I can't imagine that takes much time. We need to check if there's a gap between the Ashes. Oh, he's going to cancel the Ashes for this, mate. <laughs> this is what the elite sports people are interested in. Also, we need to sort out his carling hatch. You know, the, the hatch that... When people oh. order carling opens up and they get sent down into, I think it was crocodile-infested waters or something. Yeah, so. we need to clear it out. There's a few people gone down it. Oh, we need a shank gong in one of the nets. Is this the is this the inspiration that North Mid need to get themselves, you know, a three or four million pound driving range <laughs> in an in an area with not not a lot of available land in London? Yeah, I think it is, actually. If they do the driving range, then we can just all have a, a golf day at the driving range, not a golf course. I think we're going to have to employ uh, Tom Davies's system in the nets where it's a maximum of 10 balls, maybe. Yeah, no one no one likes a net hog. No one likes a net hog, mate. Oh, we could do a, a beef lookalikes, get any beef lookalikes along. There's a guy at my club who uh, people do call beef because he does look a lot like you. He's called Jack. Could get Jack down. Oh, yeah. Neil Parker's already said it. As many beef lookalikes as possible and spot the beef competition. So maybe we could all dress in the same clothes. And if someone goes up to the wrong beef, there must be some kind of forfeit or punishment. Yeah, I don't mind that at all, spot the beef. You're going to be barbecuing and playing golf. Are you also going to have time to sort of hide around the golf course? (laughs) We might need to bring Shane Lowry in. Oh, I'd love to play with Shane Lowry. He seems like such a nice guy. Is he a really nice guy? Definitely, yeah. But there's been a few times uh, I've been called Shane and he's been called Beef. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Adrian Charles gets that with Ray Mears. <laughs> Millie Lamb says, a live podcast and QA on stage. Uh, or, or is it a little bit of a bonus podcast to g- sort of give the results of the golf day so we can give the results of the competition, the chipping competition, all that sort of stuff. We could do the prize-giving ceremony. We could record that because there'll be like a prize for highest Stableford, prize for lowest Stableford, prize for any twos. We've got to have a twos competition. So anyone makes a two on any of the par threes or par fours, they get a little prize. That's nice stuff to do like that. Oh, man, there is so many good, like, good requests coming in here. Oh, we need to get some nearest the pin markers for nearest the pin competitions. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, nearest the pin's always good. Do you know what one we're not having? What? It's straightest drive. What a load of shit that is. Oh, yeah, load of rubbish. Have you seen the YouTube video of, um, I think it's Tyrrell Hatton trying to land a ball on like a two-foot fairway that goes 400 yards up this runway and um, they're competing to see who can land on it. That's quite a cool competition if you can get hold of an airport (laughs) 
Yeah, we'll just see if we can uh, book one out of Heathrow. Now, um, Steve Parrott says sausage rolls stand for the ninth vegan option available. We've got to think about our sort of halfway house slash toileting options beef. Can we get a couple of elite level portaloos for the ninth? I like the elite level ones where they've got like um, a sink yes. and a hand washing system. Is that elite level? That's elite level. Music playing, a little bit of classical music, selection of toiletries, the ones that have steps up to the door. Yeah, we need a few toilets out on the golf course. Oh, it's feeling quite stressful now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually quite a lot to organise. Yeah, it's kind of dawned on me where I'm thinking, oh shit, it's, it, yeah. it's, the idea is great and like, oh shit, it's become real. Well, fingers crossed there are other people <laughs> who can do a lot of the hard work and we can rock up, tee off, I can beat you in a chipping competition and then we can record a podcast. Yeah, I'm sure we can find someone else to organise it. Keep those ideas coming to beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk, folks. We love all your ideas and we can't wait to see you all at uh, the Moo S Open. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it's called. Phil M says, independent golf stands selling affordable stuff for high handicappers, like a beef market. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. We could get some, some people down selling decent training aids, some people selling like apparel and stuff. What are you? What sort of like some good brands? We get Cobra down there. Get a Cobra stand beef. What do they call it? Like a we could have like an open golf flea market. The first golf flea market ever. Yeah, people could bring their golf stuff they want to shift, and we could have like a bring and buy sale. That's a great idea because so many people have got like old clubs knocking around that they don't want anymore. Get a bit of money for it. Raise a bit of money for charity. That would be ace. So also, John, I think our ideas are brilliant, but like we said. It's dawning on us. This this shit is getting real. Yeah. So we've got someone on who actually organises proper tournaments coming on. Oh, man, I can't wait. I am actually organising a match at my local club at the minute and I'm having a nightmare, so I need his advice. Let's get him in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, John, we've got someone joining us in the clubhouse who actually knows what they're doing with organising tournaments. Oh, it's a good job we do, because you and me do not know our arse from our elbow, and you don't know your wedge from your chipper. <laughs> Welcome, Kit. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, boys. It's a pleasure to be here today, and uh, I think some of my colleagues will have a question about knowing everything about what we do there. Well, Kit Gartrell, you are a tournament organiser for the DP World Tour, are you not? I am. So I'm one of the championship directors that um, runs the uh, number of events that we cover across across the world, really. And personally looking after the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth uh, and the Korea Championship this year, my, my two. Looking after the Wentworth event? Yeah. Yeah. So I took that one over in 2021, um, just after the pandemic. And obviously my third year working towards that one at the moment. And um, it's a, it's a special event. As, as you know well. Oh, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favourites. The atmosphere is amazing, but I, I've said, like, from my experience, I turn up, go and play, and leave, right? 
But obviously, there's there's so much to put in on an event. Even I don't. I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. And it's trying to sort of get my head around that and understanding that. And I guess if I don't know, not many people actually know what actually goes on. Sure. I mean, it's it's a year-round process. So, you know, I've just told you I, I look after two events across the entire year, but, it you know, you're planning a couple of years ahead at times and the BMW is not even the biggest event we do, the, the Ryder Cup, which... I think the guys started building in February this year and and obviously working towards the end of September that that's a you know years and years process and um yeah it's it's a real privilege to be part of and I grew up fairly local to Wentworth and it's been a special event to to go to over the years so to be in the position I am as championship director now it's it's a a real privilege could you maybe like to give listeners an idea of what it is you do could you talk us through like the timeline of the the things you're organising. So I say to you, right, you're in charge of Wentworth in two years' time. What what are you working through and in what order? Well, we've we've got a, a huge team of specialists effectively within within the tour um, and about 20 different sort of departments and areas that work towards delivering that. So as, as sort of championship director, my role is basically to be a project manager of those areas. They're all absolute experts and the best at what they do within golf. So it's really... Uh, working towards delivering, you know, not just great player experiences, which Beef will know well, but as our sort of product evolves, bringing in music, bringing in celebrity elements to pro-ams, doing um, additional things like G4D tour, where we've got uh, Golf for the Disabled having that tournament on um, at Wentworth and I think seven or eight other events across the year. So it, it really is, yeah, year-round planning, um, trying to sort of deliver for so many stakeholders that are involved. I mean, as I said, we've got the players, we've got the sponsors, we've got media, um, we've got the TV and, and the fans first and foremost who they they really do create the difference, especially on Wentworth where you've got sort of 25,000, 30,000 people in. Um, we're, we're incredibly proud of it. And um, as you said, Beef, the, the atmosphere is very special. Kit, you're talking about strategy, you're talking about partners, you're talking about sponsorship. Talk to me about toilets. Talk to me about elite tour players running up to you saying, if you don't find me a portaloo in five minutes, I'm going to <laughs> S myself on the tee. I, I can only sympathise. My, my first visit to a golf tournament was Wentworth and sort of following a fairly high profile player, one of the first people I've ever seen. And then realised I was following him into the trees as he was off to, to do his business. So very, very, uh, very clear the... Um, the, how important that is and, and only having four opportunities across a golf course to to nip into what I mean I've seen some sites in there over the years beef as you probably have they're they're not the best facilities in the world so I, mean, I don't want to get stuck on toilet chat but it, it, it always revolves it always goes back to where's the nearest toilet and is it clean so from like my side obviously like hotels or player hotels um the car shuttles to and from the golf course back to the hotel and things like that. You're in control of all of that, I take it. Well, departments sort of operating under me or individuals operating under me, but yeah, I, I'll be involved in in making decisions on where the players are going to stay, where the staff are going to stay, where the media are going to stay, how all of those people are going to get to the tournament. We've got, yeah, some great colleagues who have to do some mind-boggling Excel spreadsheets on who's where, when, how much it's costing, how we're getting them there. 
I've been with the tour since sort of on and off since 2006 when I started off as, as a runner and you see the way that players have changed and their needs have changed as well. There's a lot more sort of requirements from that side. So now suddenly, you know, gym is first and foremost one of the biggest considerations in in a hotel when we're looking at it. Whereas when I first joined, you know, a, a pub might be, you know, higher up the list of things to be nearby. <laughs> Life on tour has changed a lot in, in the last 15 years or so. Can we bring it back 15 years? I mean, uh, they were great days. I, I, I did a few events in the Irish Open in Killarney, which is like, for, for those that have never had the, the luck to go out there, it's like Newquay for, uh, for, for Ireland. And... It was incredible. You know, players were finishing. You'd see the odd player, you know, with a pint of Guinness in their hand, smoking a couple of Marlboros, and then you'd see him out later that evening on the source and then back out on the golf course again. And for my own sake and my, my kidneys, I'm, I'm glad we moved on after two years in Killarney. I was wondering if you could tell us about a couple of the worst scenarios you've been in. Has power gone out on site? Have you... Have you had sort of stands collapse? Have you had sort of really big logistical problems that you've had to sort of deal with during a tournament or shortly before? Personally, you know, the the worst thing as an event organiser you can hear is the weatherman who we have on site saying, guys, there's a chance of thunder and lightning here. Because no matter how well organised we are with our courtesy cars and buggies and things like that, you're trying to get an entire golf course in at one time, fans in at one time. That That's utter carnage, to be honest. Um, and it probably feels like that to be on the sharp end of it, Beef, when you're being rushed into a, a, a transit van or something like that out on a golf course and brought back in. The the biggest challenge that, that I've had on an event or we had at the DP World Tour in the last few years, apart from COVID, was um, the sad passing of the Queen midway through the BMW PJ Championship last year which, you know, obviously had some enormous decisions to be made from both a, a playing side and just trying to get decisions right and on what the right approach was and the respectful approach, given something that was completely unprecedented um, in sort of our, our, our era of running events. And that was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had. And um, we cancelled a day. It was very much the, the right approach and sort of fell in line with other sports and, and made sense. We, we also... We do lots of extra things, like we had Jax Jones booked to DJ on the Saturday night. We had Razorlight booked to play on the Sunday night. Uh, and lots of things that we were all looking forward to having on, and the fans were too, but you know, it just felt right for those things to be stripped away to then you know give us sort of a, a golfing focus to be able to continue the event. What about like players? Because we've never really met, right? So, like, if I have an issue or something, we you on the DP tour, you've got a whole player relations uh, team that a lot of the players go to. Do you get any players or people come up complaining about stuff directly to you? No, it's great. It's really good. So I might make a lot of decisions, but uh, most have never actually met me or come across me. And uh, it's it's I'm meeting more as I go through, as I spend more time in this role, in my previous role doing the operations, um, sort of planning all the infrastructure and, and, and all that side. If you'd have seen me, there'd have probably been a problem that I'd have been there dealing with. So the fact that you haven't seen me before is is obviously a good thing. But no, there's the tournament director who who works alongside me, who you'd be more familiar with, who sort of leads on the, the player side, the rules side. And they're often, to be honest, the ones that, um, that get the words, um, if anything isn't quite going right. So 
they're a, a very good buffer for us. Um, and I, I do feel for them. And the player relations team do an amazing job as well. And all of whom are sort of fully involved in the planning process throughout and have a great idea of what's going on at the tournament. But they probably unfairly take a hit on a number of things that are more than often because of a decision I've made my fault. <laughs> Has there anything that's like come back where the, the tournament director has come back and like said, oh, Kit, we've had an absolute clangor here? I think probably we've had some absolute stinkers on pro-ams. I think we had a six and a quarter hour pro-am that I was involved in a couple of years ago. And um, I, I came across a particular player who was showing his displeasure to one of my colleagues quite firmly. And luckily I was not known and just stood there and sort of nodded along. And we changed the format and reduced the teams the next year and it'll never happen again. But no, they uh, they, they often take a, a, a bit of a hammering on, on my behalf. But um, hopefully that's not too often and we're doing things well. <laughs> I love that. You just sit there and just sit in the back. That is brilliant. What are, what are some of the like key logistical things that are vital in creating atmosphere? And what what can create a bad atmosphere? Because obviously the crowd are responsible for that atmosphere. What can you do to give them the best chance to to make that event feel special, to get that sort of buzz around the greens and that sort of thing? Well, you want to get the numbers in, and, and by, by doing that, you need to price the event right so for, the, for the proposition. Whilst you'd love to fill it with, with low-end tickets, actually, if you give away tickets, not that many people end up coming. So you've got to get that price point right. But it's all about viewing. Golf golf is, is really challenging to, to view. There aren't that many golf courses that are built, like Le Golf National, for example, where the Ryder Cup was in 2018, where it was sort of custom built for massive crowds. As soon as you're two or three deep on a normal golf course, you can't really see. So it's about finding ways, little pockets of areas for people to be able to view, building grandstands, building platforms and things like that, which we're, we're doing a bit more of. And on the events where we've got a bit more free reign to, to be a bit more playful with it, we're now having the odd DJ um, on those platforms overlooking holes at places like the Scandinavian Mixed. And you know, I can see things going that way in British Masters and events like that, where you can you can create a little bit of additional atmosphere there. And then the fine line you've got to walk is, you know, people that have had a few drinks and enjoy themselves is great. They'll, they'll create a good atmosphere. But what you don't want is for it to turn into sort of a, a boozy occasion where you've got, you know, people with families or people that are there solely for the golf don't become comfortable with that. So it's, it's just treading a, a fine line between, you know, responsible servers of alcohol, obviously, and making sure that people have got access to nice food and drink and, and things like that to enjoy. I think I think the balance at Wentworth is incredible. Like you said, the 14th hole, the par three, it it can get like a little loud, not rowdy, but a little loud, and people love it. And obviously, you can't see that that par three is going right up the hill, and you can't see where your ball finishes. But the crowd and the big stand behind it lets you know if you've hit a good shot. And when you hit a good shot, and you hear the crowd roar and stuff. It's, it's such a... I, I really enjoy playing that hole. I think the balance on that hole is amazing. Great. It, it can get a little bit naughty up there, but um, no, we think we've got the balance about right. Yeah, definitely. The only thing about that hole is it's just straight up the hill and then by the time everyone claps, you just can't speak or do anything. You just got to mark my ball and catch my breath. <laughs> so if you could flatten that hole a little bit, that would be great. I'll, I'll speak to the guys. I'm sure they'll take that on board. <laughs> one, of, um, one of the biggest complaints that you hear, especially from like players, is slow play. 
does that sort of fall in your remix? Obviously, you're in charge of like the timings of everything. Are there things you're doing? That would fall under the remit of the tournament director and his his rules team who are out on course uh, monitoring that that side of things. And and if I'm honest, despite being a, a keen golfer, certainly when I was younger, my understanding of that side of the business is 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 a big gap because they're so good at what they do. They just get on with it. They do it week on week. Uh, I mean, beef. Have you ever been on the clock? What's that like? Terrible. The problem is the system's sort of broken in some sense. So the slow players play slow, and if you're a fast player, you get sort of dragged into the slow play. Then you get put on the clock, and then sometimes you might have a, like a bit of a decision to make if the like, especially at Wentworth, the wind moves around all all over, and because you've got all the big trees, it can be really difficult to pick up where the wind actually is. So you might take. 10, 20 seconds, a bit longer to make a decision. But I've been fast for 15 holes. I have one slow bit on the clock and then the fast player gets the bad time. And like I said, once you get two, you start racking up fines, which the first fine is two and a half grand. And they double every time. So all it takes is over a course of a season, how many holes and rounds you're playing. And then you start racking up loads of fines. And a lot of like the quick players can get really angry with it, obviously. So I think the system in some sense is slightly broken. What are some of the most common uh, sort of complaints or problems that you have to solve on a daily basis? Like if someone's running up towards you, do you think, oh, here we go. I know what this is going to be. I'll refer you back to your toilet comment. Uh, it all goes back to, to toilets. It is almost certainly something to do with cleaning or toilets. So how many toilets are at Wentworth for the for the players and how many for the uh, for the people watching? Very good question. And you've probably got about a dozen in the players' lounge and caddies' lounge there, about four out on course. And then for the public, you've got hundreds around around the golf course, but you're looking at, you know, 25, 30,000 people that they're catering for. And, you know, people have a reasonable expectation to come and find facilities usable. Um, but, I mean, we've all been to festivals and events where they're not. So it is, it's the area you just don't want to fall down on, especially in an event where you've got a high expectation from those coming to it and your sponsors. And it's, you know, it's a premium event at a premium place. Having your toilets in a mess is just not acceptable. So it's one I'm, I'm happy to take an earful over if that's what it's got to. Dealing with sponsors, obviously they put the money up and they help with the prize funds and things like that. Can they ask like some wacky requests because they're the sponsors and they've like asked for things on like the tee or around the 18th or certain bits where you just like have to turn around and go, That's, it's just not possible, it's so unrealistic. They'll, they'll, they'll ask for a lot. It's normally a new sponsor that's that's come in that, that doesn't have an experience in golf. And most of them that we, we work with are sort of fairly long term. But, you know, I've seen... I've seen hard hats for tea markers, uh, events sponsored by building supplies companies. I've I've heard of various left field requests like uh, a hearing aid company wanting to put hearing aids on players as part of the sponsorship <laughs> deal. Uh, that didn't that didn't did not work out. Um, there's there's been plenty of interesting ones over the years. What, what, like hearing aids, but just switched off, so just sort of decorative? I, I presume so. Some of them may have needed them. Who knows? You can get quite snazzy hearing aids these days, actually. So maybe they're wanting to change perception, which I totally get, but that is quite funny. Kit, talk to me about pro-ams and how they work and how you 
find the the field? Obviously, um, Wentworth's a big celebrity pro-am and you get lots of ex-sports people and actors and all, all sorts of mad celebrities, to be honest, playing that one. Podca- Do you get podcast co-hosts? I saw your eyes light up there, John. Yeah, I mean, Beef's made a good point there, actually, about the sort of calibre of celebrity. You're probably looking for someone who's past winner of the Perrier Award, that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, it's... How how can we? What can I? I was going to ask how your pursuit of Wahlberg was coming on, actually. <laughs> well, how the tables have turned. <laughs> you know, there's a bit of give and take with these things, John. Yes, Kit. Maybe you're the in with Wahlberg. That would be the final embarrassment. Have you ever had Wahlberg at a pro am? No, I was I was hoping that the the in would be you can play if you bring Wahlberg, but obviously neither of us have had any luck with that side. Oh, maybe the pro am. His ears will perk up and he might actually say, actually, yeah, I want to do that. I want to play in the Wentworth Pro-Am rather than coming on a podcast. So then maybe I can corner him on a range till he can't say no to come on. And then we get John in the Pro-Am. I think that could be a good idea. Maybe we've been taking the wrong tack with Wahlberg. Maybe, actually, have you mentioned my name? I don't know if he's sort of familiar with the UK stand-up circuit, but maybe that's how we hook Wahlberg. You could play in a Pro-Am with Johnny J.R., We'll ask you a few questions on the round. But in all seriousness, Kate, how does a pro-am booking work? Do you get, you know, celebrities asking to play? Do you get players saying, sort my mate out, I do a podcast with him, and God, he's not, he's giving me dog's abuse trying to get him on this bloody pro-am? The, I mean, the way that our pro-ams, the, the reason they exist really is, when you think about it, a remarkable opportunity for the sponsors and their guests to play with 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 players. I mean, you, you imagine the equivalent of playing at Wentworth, as you know, kicking a football around a Premier League stadium with the team—it's—it's it's quite rare when you take a step back and look at it. So, fans weren't that interested in in going to watch you know unknown corporate people playing with the pros. And you know, co- colleagues of mine over time realise you know you get a bit of celebrity interest in there. You know, you get your your Niall Horans of this world and Jamie Dornans and and people like that that have played over the years, and suddenly you've got a completely different set of people wanting to come to the event. So over time, you know, some of our sponsors bought in their own friends of the brand over time to play with their teams. And then at Wentworth, we we have a sort of small amount of teams who we look to to get people that sort of move the needle in terms of promotion and have a name that could be splashed up on, on billboards and things like that in town. Well, we've got uh, our own tournament to organise kit Beef's Golf Club Golf Day. What advice would you give about organising a festival of golf over one day? What are what are some of the things we need to make sure are checked and double checked? Well, what what are you trying to achieve out of it? I guess is is the main thing. Is it trying to get a loads of people to come and play the game? Are you trying to get fans in? What what's your What's your aim for it? I'm trying to prove to Beef that a chipper is better than a wedge from within 30 yards. But aside from that, it's a group of people playing. It's a group of people watching. It's a celebration of golf. It's a celebration of community. Uh, Beef's Golf Club, inclusivity. We want things there for golfers and non-golfers alike. So the sort of playing is definitely for fun. We want prizes. We want good um, hospitality. So what are some of the things that, that people really appreciate? Well, you've already got your star golfer and you've got your celeb. Uh, Wahlberg presumably is coming. My attempt at a joke there. Sorry, John. So, I mean, you've, you've got your sort of major kickers there. You've got the golf course, which, which you're, you know, you can promote 
have you chosen a venue yet? Oh yeah, we've got my home course, the Mighty North Mid. Fantastic. So you've got you you've got a great golf course to throw at it. People want want to go to an event and have decent food and decent drink now. So you can't just wheel out your bog standard tins of lager and, you know, rubbish hot dogs, burgers and things like that. So you need to get the food needs to be nailed down and it needs to be needs to be affordable. You need to be able to get people there and back without really having to get behind the wheel of a car so they can have a drink and enjoy it. You could go on forever sort of creating creating this day, but, you know, for, for me, sort of diversifying beyond golf and, and is the real challenge. John, John. Yeah? I think we should get Kit to organise the day. Do you know what? I, I think because a lot of the things he was talking about there sound quite expensive. <laughs> um so yeah, I think definitely if we if we get Kit to organise the entire day for free, I think that's a, just a superb strategic partnership for for Kit as much as us. You you ask him. Okay, uh, Kit, what are you doing? Uh, just sort of towards the end of July, out of interest. Wow, that's a big ask, lads. I would love to help point you in the right direction with things, but my uh, my my boss is on the BMW PGA. <laughs> Great, thank you so much, Kit. So kind of you to agree to organise. <laughs> do you know what? I'm generally stunned. I can't believe like the background work, all the headaches you must have to deal with putting a tournament on for us. They run so smoothly every time. I mean, it really is amazing to see the other side of it. That's that's really kind. I mean, there's there's a huge amount of people that do what I do at the tour. I think there's about uh, 10 of us now. And obviously all of these organisations, PGA Tour, they, they have a similar setup and just a huge amount of very talented people pulling together to put these things on. And, you know, as I said earlier, it's a privilege to be involved in it. Well, Kit, thank you so much for joining us. Your position gives you a unique insight into how a professional golf works. And just on that one final question for you, given your uh, unique position, which player is the biggest <laughs> Oh, John. When we meet up eventually over a beer, I'll tell you. <laughs> Oh, that's very kind. I'll hold you to that, Kit. That's Kit Gartrell, an honorary member slash organiser here at Beefs Golf Club, and we thank you so much for your time. Thank you, chaps. Pleasure. Yeah, mate. Thanks so much. Well, mate, that was really interesting speaking to Kit. I feel like we've got a bit more of an idea and we're more prepared for Beefstock. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. To be honest, organising any kind of logistical thing of that scale is probably one of my worst nightmares. So great to hear how much goes into planning some of the events that uh, Kit runs. And if you have any suggestions for Beefstock or indeed any other ideas you'd like us to discuss here at Beef's Golf Club, you can get in touch at beef at crowdnetwork.co.uk or drop us a message on social media at Beef's Golf Club. If you would like to listen to this show with no adverts, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts where you will also get access to Crowd's other sports shows. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Another great week, Beef. See you next time, mate. Take care, everyone. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.